What's going on everybody and welcome back to the Hoops Corner. I'm your host Peter Tran and on the line, the Iceman no longer in the doghouse, Josh Cohen. How you doing? Doing well, doing well. Things are going well and we got the season coming up in about a month. I think, uh, what is it, training camp starts very shortly, media days around the corner, I think a week away, preseason's in two weeks. Yep, yep. I believe uh, Toronto travels for their cross Canada tour in a couple of weeks. Once so that'll again, be nice. not coming to Ottawa. Nobody's going to Ottawa. Come on. I mean, they came here like what was it, ten years ago, <laughs> fifteen years ago? I remember going to the game. I can't remember what it was. I think it was in high school. Yeah, I I'm pretty sure that was a Chris Bosch era Toronto Raptors. Yes. Yes, it was. Like early Chris Bosch, not like Chris Bosch 2010 as an like an all-star. That was like that was like Chris Bosch Charlie V years of Toronto. Yeah, so that would have been 15 years ago. So I think it's probably around 20ish. Yeah, I think so. What 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 year was uh what year was Charlie V drafted? 2000. Bosch is 03, so 04, 05. I was going to say 07, but something like No, that. no, 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 no. Charlie V was uh definitely not before that. I think he was a year. It went Chris Bosch, and then Rafael Arujo, and then Charlie V. I think. I think those were the the three consecutive Toronto draft class, draft years. Yeah, I think that sounds right. Like all I remember from that game is I think it was maybe Juan Dixon was the one that scored like thirty points. I remember Joey Graham looking huge. He was just a muscle head. <sighs> yeah, I'm sure he still is. Probably he was out of the league very quickly. <laughs> Juan Dixon was nice, man. Juan Dixon was like that kind of like a lower level Andre Miller type of game. Low to the ground, old man game, post your ass up if you if you took him too lightly. Drop buckets on you casually. Yeah, he was pretty no quick. effort. He's pretty quick. I love it. Loved Juan Dixon. Uh we're missing our third. Rajon Walio. Euro tripping right now. Shouts to Raj. Living the life. Always traveling. I don't know about always, but uh, yeah, I'd like to be where he is. He's in like Monaco right now. Damn. Oh, my God. Yeah. He's living large, man. Is he even coming back? I, I wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> Every time I go on a trip, it's just, do I really want to come back? Probably not. Uh, so let's just get to it. I mean, we've had like a month and a half off from potting because literally nothing's happened other than FIBA. You know, you had Team Canada getting bronze. Hooray, they beat the Team U... Like a C team? B team of Team USA? It doesn't matter what you want to call them. They still beat the US, which is huge, obviously. Congratulations to Germany. Dennis Schroeder, Toronto Raptors starting point guard this upcoming year. Yeah, future Raptors legend. Wow. Maybe this year's MVP. Who knows? Euro Schroeder coming to the NBA? Wow. That'd be impressive. Best point Serbia without <laughs> imagine 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 Dennis Schroeder actually lived up to his NBA potential. Man, do you remember who he was Ooh. compared to coming into the league? No, I have no idea. He was compared to Rajon Rondo. I mean, I can believe that. I can still believe that. He's got the IQ. He's got the the defensive knowledge. He's just uh, just doesn't have it. He's kind of an asshole in the locker room, kind of like Rondo was, except Rondo was proven. Yeah, and he changed his game a lot along the way, too. He went from potential passing savant to now he's like a scoring point guard who plays good defense, so it's, it's odd. 
I'm okay with that. It kind of sounds like what Toronto needs. Yeah. After last year's point guard debacle. I wonder if it makes a difference now that he had this great tournament, if he's even going to start for the Raptors now, or if they're still going to go with Barnes, the point guard. We'll see. What? That's not even a question. Uh, we weren't even planning to talk about the Raptors. What are you talking about? I don't know, Why man. would you start Barnes at the point? Why? Are you crazy? Over Schroeder? Come on. I mean, if you look at their lineup, putting Schroeder with Ananobi, Barnes, Siakam, Pirtle, there's no shooting in that lineup. And plus, if you want Barnes to become like that guy, I think you sort of have to, you know, just sort of dig your heels in and just let him go. Like um, in other cases, like Zach Levine in Minnesota, um, you know, Jalen Green the last couple of years having more ball handling responsibilities. I think you just sort of have to let them go because it's going to be a lost year anyway. I, I'm sure, I guess. I mean, I guess you just have to decide on which direction you want to go as the Raptors, right? I mean, this has sort of been the conversation for the past, what, like two or three years? It's sort of just deciding what you want to do with your team. I think at this point, what they're doing is they're just waiting until Superstar A comes available. Because not a lot of people talk about the Raptors when, you know, they bring up this conversation of teams that have their powder dry, essentially, with, you know, all their draft picks, um, young players available, and... Yeah, the Raptors are in a good position right now. Like it's not only them, the Pelicans, the Knicks, like these teams that have a war chest. I mean, OKC obviously. Um, you know, they have a war chest of items that they can turn that into whoever comes up next, Embiid, Giannis, whoever. Do you think they make a run at Dame? No, I don't think it makes any sense to go for Dame. <laughs> and plus, they don't really have anybody that Portland would really want. I could sort of see Portland wanting Ananobi, but then you got to pay them like a lot of money as a rebuilding team when you're going to have multiple young players. And then Simon's got a hundred million dollars too that are going to be coming yeah. up and, you know, wanting their contracts in two or three years. So is that an OB worth it? Probably, but he's not in the right spot, I guess, to be on a rebuilding team. He's, he's a guy that's a win now player and you're not going to want to pay him 30 plus million dollars a year to be on a rebuilding team. But yo, he was uh, working out with Steph this off season. What if he becomes a shooter this year? Finally becomes that shooter that Toronto's always needed. I just hope that he learns how to handle the ball because I think that I saw that he was the worst ball handler in the NBA last year. So, Dude, remember last offseason? Or uh, sorry, last preseason when we saw him like go behind the back into a spin move once and we're like, oh my god! Oh, he's done it this summer! And then it just sort of just fell off. Yeah, he's, he's very robotic in going to the basket on his own. But, you know, you get him on the move a little bit, He's solid, but uh, he, he wants too big of a role for what his skill set is right now. I don't think it's ever going to happen, but maybe he'll make the jump one day. I, I mean, it's getting to the point where it's like he's almost well, he's 25 years old. So what's the cutoff point? Maybe like 26, 27 to where you sort of are what you are? I don't know, man. In, in this modern NBA, it's kind of hard to tell considering most teams are like average age of 21 or 22. <laughs> like nothing really makes sense anymore it used to be that you could be like 29 and then you, that's like entering your peak entering your highest iq of like a basketball player kind of like where Jokic is now right at like 28 29 but now like the expectation is for these guys to be so incredible so much younger to that like i have no read on it anymore i don't understand yeah guys come from the draft and they're immediately good and you're like this never happened in 2005 <laughs> 
You know, even yeah. in like year two, they're, they become superstars. You're like, this never happened in 2010. Besides like Blake yeah. Griffin, you know. <laughs> but he, like, he was the, one of the anomalies though, right? Like LeBron didn't make the all-star game in his rookie year or the playoffs. If you put that into perspective, right? Whereas now, if you come into the league at 18, 19, well, 19-ish, you have all that hype behind you. You're sort of expected to make like a, a massive impact like Wemby is supposed to make this year. But who knows? Yeah, I, I don't see Wemby doing that. I mean, he might at the defensive end, maybe the second half of the year, but then they're probably going to shut him down and say he has some BS injuries so they can tank for another pick this year. But, uh, you know, I think his offense will catch up with his defense by year three, four, maybe. What do you think about this uh, new resting policy that the league is instituting for star players, which Wemby will not qualify as because you need to have made uh, – all-star game or a uh, all-nba team i believe hit one of the awards or you know some some real like uh credential not just hype i mean i'm all for players playing more i I think the science behind basketball has gone too far i think that there is more injuries in today's game more so because of how the game is played versus the amount of load i mean it correlates too right like the amount of like the guys that are Playing today, you have to close out on pretty much every possession. You're planting really hard in those scenarios. It causes wear and tear and ligaments. Whereas, like, back in the 2000s or 1990s, you were just standing, guarding your guy, and there's a lot of post-ups, not a lot of movement. Um, so I, I think possession to possession and, like, how fast the game is, too. Like, how many more kilometers these guys are running per game. I think that has an effect on, you know, obviously guys and their loads and such. But... Um, I think ultimately, I think the more that you play, the more in rhythm you are and the less um, strain-related injuries that you have if your muscles are always going and, you know, continuously doing this every second day or so. So I think having more rest often hurts a lot of these guys in the long run. That's what Paul George said. No, oh, well. You keep him out too long, everything just gets really stiff and like, your body's not used to moving anymore. I mean, he says that and yet he still sits out all these games. So you think that... If he went through his agent and just said, like, I want to play in these games, you don't think they would be like, okay, let's let's go? Nah, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. The, these, the, the difference in narrative between, like, teams and players for a rest is kind of, it's kind of hard to tell, right? Like, who's actually telling us the truth or who, you know, believes which test to believe kind of thing. Like, his doctors could say something totally different than the team doctors or vice versa. Yeah. Or Paul George could be making it all up. Who knows? Like, we're not there. Yeah, I mean, he's going against what he normally does in regular life, right? Like, what he's saying is totally, it's against what he's done in the last couple of years. It doesn't make any sense. Like That's a, that's what I mean, though. Like, it could be the team that's holding him out and not him. I mean, I'm sure it is, but I, play, I think that play. he ultimately has final say in that. I think as a superstar player, if he wanted to play, then I think he would. Like, you don't think, you know, Mikel Bridges goes back to the team and says, I want to play in 82 games. You're going to play me in the last game of the year. And then they let him do it. Of course, they're going to do that because he's the star player of the team, right? Like, he's played every game nah, throughout his entire that's career. Di- that's different, though. That's different, though, because he has, like, a, a healthy track record. Paul George has a very injury-ridden track record since, like, that, that leg injury, basically, right? And so it, it makes more sense for teams to be, like, overly cautious with him back from like looking from indiana to okc to now la like they've all been overly cautious with paul george whereas bridges is like the league's iron man 
No, for sure. 83 games, even though one was like, eh, whatever, but 83 games, you know? That's an extreme example, but at the same time, when you play a game and then you sit out for a week and then you go full board when you come back and you're playing 35 minutes a game, I think your muscles really have to get used to playing consistently. And that way you have the less tightness, the less soreness, et cetera. Um, but I think the way they've scheduled the season now has gotten better. But I think the one change that they do have to make is, I know they're probably just never going to do this, but the team should make their schedule, like the trainer's schedule of when these guys are expected to load manage available to the public. So that way, <laughs> I think when you're ordering tickets and you see oh. that, okay, Paul George is expected to rest this game, I think that yeah. would contribute huge to like the marketplace, right? Like people wouldn't have to waste their hard earned money and then go back and look at this, you know, the scenario where they spent $200 on tickets to go see Kawhi Leonard play before the season started in February and not knowing that they plan to sit him out that day. I think that they should make that information available. So fans are not duped, have a terrible experience and then thus don't come back because they spent way too much on these tickets that they can't get rid of now because day before the game, they're told that Paul George or Kawhi Leonard is not playing. I think that it would be a change that the NBA needs to make. Yeah, it's never going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, no no team is going to give out their resting policy beforehand. I mean, it would help the uh, the betting right. marketplace as well. <laughs> Ooh. No, but that would just adjust, man. You're telling me if you know that Steph Curry isn't playing like three months in advance online isn't going to adjust for it? Vegas knows. Vegas knows when he's resting already without them having to declare anything to the public. Yeah, I'm sure they can see the trends from the last couple of years and be like, okay, he usually sits out after X amount of games on this on this day because they're playing three games in four nights, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah, I agree. But uh, they need to do something about that. They need to be more transparent about when these guys are actually resting. So, as a fan, you're not looking at the schedule before the season starts and being like, huh, is that a back-to-back? Huh, I think this guy might be resting today. Let's not buy tickets. Like, so dumb now. I wonder if people like. I'm sure they do. I don't really buy tickets often because you know I'm cheap and I like to watch the games at home. Uh, but I wonder like if people actually do that. Like, if you're taking your kid to go see a game, are you like, huh? I wonder if uh, I should look up if Toronto's on a back to back against. I don't know. Is Detroit on a back to back in Toronto? And like, is Cade Cunningham not playing? Am I really going to go to this game, or should I wait till next week to see Indiana and maybe Buddy Heald and Tyrese Halliburton will be here? You know what I mean? I think the smart fans do this because they know how the NBA works, but the casual fans that just like to watch games every once in a while or like to go to games every once in a while, I don't think they look into it that deeply. I would. Like going into a season, if I'm looking at the schedule and I say like, okay, I want to go to Toronto on this day and then... The Raptors are playing, but do I want to buy tickets? I will look at the schedule for both those teams and be like, how many games are they playing beforehand? Were they just on a West Coast trip? Are they coming back? (laughs) I'll look at everything and be like, is this going to be a quality game? And if it's spaced out enough where they didn't play three games in four nights, not come back from a road trip, et cetera, I would probably buy tickets. But outside of that, I would probably just wait until like the day before just to see and just, you know, follow the injury reports. Yeah. Is... Is Milwaukee on a three games and five nights schedule? Will I be able to see Giannis tonight? Oh, no. Yeah, and then never buy tickets at the end of the year either. Oh, for sure. Unless you want to see, like, a good G League game. Bunch of 10 days, man. Yep. 
doesn't make any sense to do that. I mean, our friend mm-hmm. went to go see the last game of the season with the Raptors this last year. I think it was against Milwaukee, too, going back to the, you know, what you okay. said about Giannis. And, of course, like, nobody played in that game besides, like, Bobby Portis. <laughs> yeah. I'd pay to see Bobby Portis, man. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I would love to see Bobby Portis hooping. He's a solid player, and he's, you know, he's funny to look at because he always got the uh, crazy eyes. Yeah, man, he looks so intense. And you want that hustle. That's right. Shout out to Bobby P, man. Um, I don't know. Okay, I'll give you an option here. Do we want to talk about uh, random minimum signings between Christian Wood and Kelly Oubre, Danny Green, PJ Washington resigning in Charlotte? Or do you want to talk about uh, Trey Murphy having a partial meniscus tear and surgery out for three to four months and Jose Alvarado out with a sprained ankle, expected to miss training camp. I'm assuming half a preseason. Like it's a sprained ankle. How long does a sprained ankle really keep you out for? Like a week or two usually? It depends on the severity of the sprain, right? Sometimes, you know, if it's grade two, I think. I think that's the one where you can have, um, you can be out for like two or three months. So it all depends. Mm. But I mean, in terms of uh, your question, I think that we should talk about the Pelicans. Because I think they have (laughs) by far the biggest variance in what they could be this upcoming season. Because if you look at their roster, like, they have a really, really good roster. It's just these guys are never able to play together. I think recently, um, you know, I saw a stat where their top three guys, CJ, Brandon Ingram, and Zion, they've only played, like, something like 100-something minutes together, I think, so far. Or 200 minutes together. (laughs) Just nothing. And in those minutes, they were killing teams, obviously. But, um, yeah, I mean, like, they have a really solid bench. Their starting lineup is a bit, I mean, besides the top three guys, it's a bit of a weird fit because, you know, going into the season, you look at it and you'd be like, you know, Trey Murphy should probably start because he's the one guy that can really shoot on the team. But then Herb Jones would be coming off the bench and therefore your defense wouldn't be as good. So I think the one question that they have is they really have to figure out the center position and what they want to do and try to get more of a spacer um, or find a guy that can come off the bench that can play with Zion, but also provide some defense. Like, I mean, going back to PJ Tucker type, you know, somebody like that who can provide some shooting, but also play really tough defense. Um, so they have to figure that part out because Jonas, his uh, contract is coming up and he's going to be eligible for, um, you know, renegotiation and extension. Um, but their bench, like they have Alvarado, Dyson Daniels, I think is nearly a player in the league. Um, Jordan Hawkins is coming in as a rookie this year. He's a very good shooter. And then you have Trey Murphy most likely coming off the bench when he gets back. Najee Marshall had a really good year last year. Larry Nance has always been a really solid player in the league. So they have like a really deep, talented roster. Just these guys never play together. It sucks. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's that's sort of the, the worry with Zion from like from his rookie year, right? Remember he missed like ha- more than half of the first year and then he came on that one game in, I want to say it was in January of 2020, just before Kobe died. And then he had that like insane stretch against San Antonio. Everyone was like, oh no my God, this guy's incredible, da da da, but he was up against like a minutes restriction that game. Ever since, it's sort of just been like, can Zion stay healthy? Can he do this? Can he do that? Will his body hold up? Is his diet going to change? Is he eating too much in New Orleans? Is he really happy? Blah, blah, blah. I mean, and I mean, inevitably, the conversation is always cyclical with him, right? It's always the same thing every offseason. It's kind of like when 
we thought that Ben Simmons would learn how to take a jump shot in a game. You know what I mean? You just you sort of hope that it's finally going to turn around, but you know how long do you wait? Granted, the Zion's only twenty three. So like, take that with a grain of salt. I know we just had a conversation about like the whole league being really young. Zion's only twenty three and has a lot of expectations on him already. Yeah, and we were talking about Embiid like this when you know his first couple of years as well, and now he's the MVP of the league, right? So Zion can get to that level if he actually played. And in the second year, he actually played sixty, I think sixty two games, but they sat him out the uh, the remainder of the season with a, like a broken finger or something that he could have played through. Um, so, something something really menial. Yeah, like if they really wanted to and they were competitive, they probably could have played him seventy plus games that year. So you hope going into the season. That he's actually taken the offseason seriously this time and slimmed down. I mean, we've seen the photos recently, but those mean nothing, obviously, because we've seen that before. Um, For sure. But when he plays, like, they're a really good team. They were first in the conference last year when he was healthy. And then as soon as he got injured, they went downhill. How long How long did that last for? Like a month? A couple of weeks that they were that they held that position. I mean, it just goes to show you, though, how dominant he can be in, you know, that small amount of time. So... If he actually played the entire season, I think they could easily be a top four seed in the West. It's just, is that ever going to happen? Probably not. But again, that's why they have so much variance, right? They could just be a play-in team or potentially be out of the playoffs, or they could be a top three or four seed this year if everything went right. But the chances of everything going right is so small that you would expect them to be in the bunch of teams where they're in like the 38 to 44 win range. And then, you know, if you're there and these guys continue to get injured, I think eventually you're going to have to decide between him and Ingram because you're going to have a massive luxury tax bill coming up. Um, you know, if they give these guys massive contracts, Ingram has a massive, you know, extension coming up, right? So you factor that in and then Zion's going to be up for extension in a couple more years. So you have to make a decision at that point, like what direction you're going to go in. And if Zion never plays, I think eventually you're just going to have to be like, all right, we got to get the most we can for this guy. Has Ingram ever made um, All-NBA? I don't think so, right? No, he has sort of the same problems as Zion. Not an extreme, obviously, but the last couple of years, yeah. he's had years where he could have been All-NBA easily, especially last year, the numbers that he put up. Um, but, you know, he doesn't play enough. So maybe this year with the um, incentive where you play 65, you have to play 65 games to make All-NBA. Um, maybe these guys come into training camp in better condition and, you know, they're ready to go and they don't have as many, I want to say nagging injuries, but more severe injuries throughout the year. Yeah. How many times do you think Brandon Ingram has played over 65 games? Mm, how many seasons? He's been in the league played? for seven years. Okay. Seven years. Uh, twice. Once. Mm. His rookie year <laughs> in the in L.A., he played 79 games after that, uh, hovered around like 50, 50s. One year he hit 62 with New Orleans, the first year in New Orleans, and then last year was 45 games. My man played barely over half the games last year. Not great. Not great. It's um, it's something that's often overlooked with the, the Pelicans conversation, right? Because everything revolves around Zion. Everyone, everyone wants to talk about the big guy, but... Ingram's, uh, you know, obviously his health concerns, but his like ability to carry the team is has to be recognized, right? Like between him and CJ, they basically carried that team for the past two years. No, for sure, for sure. And uh, you know, when Ingram plays, the same thing as Zion, right? Like he's he's very good at basketball, and he showed that in the playoffs. Obviously, 
mean, he didn't show it as much this season or this off season with the Olympic team because he's playing a whole new role that he wasn't used to. Um, but the thing is, like, he, does, he never. <laughs> yeah, he did not. He did not have a good showing at all. <laughs> no, but it's hard to go from like lead lost. ball handler guy who always has a ball in his hands to just a spot up shooter. Like Mikel Bridges did the opposite. And he's good in either role, obviously. But I think you have to start out in that role first and then work your way into it. I think Kawhi went through the same thing too, right? Kawhi was always a role player until he eventually grew into the lead ball handler role. So he was able to play both. But uh, yeah, I think you have to start out as that guy, whereas Ingram has always been the guy. So I don't think he's ever going to get used to playing that type of role, nor is he probably going to be in the Olympic team ever again. And then Kawhi won, won a ring in Toronto. So let's get Brendan Ingram to Toronto. Yeah, true legend. Best Raptor of all time. <laughs> Ooh, whoa. Whoa. Well, we can talk about that another time. I got to ask you before we continue. Do you do we really need to talk about Christian Wood signing in LA? Is that a big deal? Or Kelly Oubre to, to Philly? Meh. Like, whatever. I mean, with Christian Wood, I think it'll help them during the regular season once Anthony Davis and everybody gets injured. I think he'll be able to fill in and, you know. True. Uh, be able to produce during those games and give them empty twenty ten stats. Ubre, he's he's just a bad player. I don't I don't really like that signing to be honest. I thought he was going to be end up in China to be honest, despite averaging like <laughs> twenty points per game last year. I mean, he'd be really popular man. over there. He can go model over there too if you wanted to. Kelly Ubre, man, so much potential. He's so athletic too. I actually love what like I love his game. If he was. Uh... I don't know what it is. If he was just smarter about his decision making, if he had fit into Golden State, you know. Yeah, but one thing leads to the other, right? If he was a smarter player, he would have fit in. <laughs> He's not a smart yes, player. He's like one I'm, of the dumbest players in the uh, NBA. It certainly seems like it, but I, I don't know. There's just something about his game. I just love watching him play. You just like looking at him. No why. I like chuckers. <laughs> you know what I mean? I just like guys who get up, who get shots up. Yeah. But like in a certain fashion, I don't want I don't want to see guys just like shooting threes all the time like Trey. I want some athleticism with my chuckers, you know. Yeah, every once in a while he'll uh, surprise you with uh, tomahawk dunks of guys. Exactly, that's what I'm saying. Remember when he and Paul George just went back and forth with each other? I want that. Yeah, I want someone who can step up occasionally, make it fun. And then he does push-ups afterwards. Yeah, He's known for that. Put on a show for the people. Mm-hmm. Put on a show, man. Maybe I'll go to a Philly game this year to see if Kelly Oubre is playing. Yeah, it's funny how people are talking about him like replacing Harden. You know, Harden's scoring anyway, and it's like, okay, Come maybe on, it's scoring a little bit, but he averages one assist a game. No. Um, speaking of Harden, I was watching a, one of those like Rico Hines private runs uh, that are just all NBA players, and I saw DeAnthony Melton just tearing up this. Obviously, it's awful defense but tearing up Toronto's defense. And I was like, ooh, DeAnthony Melton. Love that guy's game. He's solid. He's a, he's a very good player. And he's he's one of those guys that can like, fill in any scenario. Underrated. Do we want to hit on this Brogdon being pissy about uh, all, almost being traded, I guess, situation in Boston? I still think he'll come into training camp and like perform because he seems like a professional dude. And he got paid. But... You know, might not be the best look coming into training camp for uh, the team's chemistry and all. Yeah, I mean, they're already a chemistry experiment, too, with changing over their entire, you know, outlook in terms of in their roster construction, really, with, cha- you know, trading their leader and Marcus Smart and then bringing in Christos Porzingis, who's obviously a very good player, but hasn't played in any big playoff games yet. 
Um, so it'll be interesting to see how they incorporate, um, you know, Derek uh, White in the starting lineup as the point guard, and then what they do with the big positions. I'm assuming that Robert Williams will come off the bench. Um, and they have a very talented so. roster, obviously. It's just a matter of did that signing really help them, um, you know, improve on their weaknesses, which is clutch time scoring, especially in that they're often <laughs> like very disorganized. So is Derek White going to be able to get them organized and get them in their sets and, you know, move quicker into their sets so they have more time on the shot clock and then get the right guys the ball in right situations? Like, I don't know, probably not. And, Will Kristaps Porzingis be able to fit in, especially later in the game when he's not getting the ball like he did last year in Washington? Maybe. So they are one of the more interesting teams in the NBA to watch this year. And then, you know, Brogdon's being a little bitch about it too. I mean, this is not going to be a good locker room situation for them. No. Are they Are they the, the favorites to come out of the East? They're the favorites to win the championship. Are they really? They are right now. Jesus. Wow. Okay. I did not expect that whatsoever. Miami, no love still. The betting lines just do not like Miami. You mean in terms of the, the East or the championship? Either. Anything. Well, I mean, they don't have the guy on their team yet. Like, Lillard has not been traded there yet, right? So, right now, their roster is like... If you look at their roster, their roster has a massive gaping hole it's right in the middle bare. of it. <laughs> Very bare. Yeah, I mean, they lost two important rotational pieces and never replaced them. So, right now... Kyle Lowry, I guess, is their starting point guard, or Tyler Hero, I suppose. It's got to be, yeah, you have uh, Lowry, Hero, Butler, blank, Cody Martin, Caleb, Cody, Caleb. Caleb, I think. Caleb, and uh, bam, that's your starting and ending five. Yeah, but the fact that like With Lowry the... ended up getting benched halfway through the season, <laughs> and he couldn't play more than 25 minutes a game in the regular season without breaking down, like you have nobody. It's not great. Now right it's not great but uh maybe they'll sign someone like austin rivers yeah fill in some time that'll help <laughs> Yo, i love austin rivers man another guy chucker but excellent at his job get austin rivers on a team i agree with that get him to denver get him back to denver man he's better than reggie jackson that's for damn sure he should have got a ring uh instead of reggie jackson yeah yeah <laughs> Even, even though he was on Minnesota that Denver beat in the first round. I mean, they contributed exactly the same thing in the finals, which is nothing, right? So, Yeah, that's true. DeAndre Jordan did more in the finals. Definitely. The next Bill Russell, DeAndre Jordan. <laughs> let's, uh, let's head on over to Stats Corner. All right, so i got a few things for you this week, as usual. Uh, we'll start with some classic stuff. So... Can you guess the most all-time points against Michael Jordan? And this is regular season plus playoffs. Which players have the most points against the Chicago Bulls that had Michael Jordan on the team during their 90s and I guess 80s run as well? What the hell? In the regular season <laughs> and playoffs. Wow. These are all legends, obviously. Let's see how many you get. Reggie? We have four that I have here. Reggie? No. Patrick Ewing. Number one, 1,550 points against MJ. So I'm looking for guys in the East, basically, right? Mostly? Uh, three in the East, one in the West. One in the West? But he also played the in the house. East, too. But he mostly played in the West, especially in the 90s. Barkley. There you go. Number four, Charles Barkley. Mm. 
Okay. Uh, so I got two more East guys from the 80s and 90s. One's a super athletic wing player who never won a championship. Dominique! Dominique number two. Oh, Dominique. And then MJ. Human highlight reel. The original human highlight reel. Oh, yes. Do you want to give me give you a hint for the last one? Or you want to guess? No, yeah. Uh, it's not Shaq or Penny, right? Because that was too late. Good guess, but no. Uh, Isaiah? Correct. Isaiah's Ooh. number three. Well done. You're on your game Isaiah, today. Isaiah, the OG Isaiah. You were on your game today. I, I just know my 90s ball, man. <laughs> and now we're going to go the complete opposite route. The lowest catch and shoot three-point percentage among 23 players and under. Among Sorry, players 23 and under. So you have to be uh, between the ages of 19 and 23, essentially. So the lowest catch and shoot three-point percentage among the young guys in the NBA. Let's see. Like, give you like we'll give you three guesses and then I'll give you some hints. Uh, Lamelo. <laughs> I don't know. Nope. Of young guys, eh? I don't. I actually have no idea. I don't like. I don't even know where to start with this. All right, so I'll give you the teams then. Uh, Indiana big man. Jalen Smith. Jalen Smith is number one in a bad way at twenty-seven point seven percent. This I would have never thought to guess him. Like ever, I would have never thought. He's got a good shooting form too. It just doesn't go in. Yeah, I guess so. Sure. <laughs> now this one you should get Detroit. Jaden Ivy. Nope. Uh, big man. Nope. Beef stew. Nope. Oh my god! It's not Isaiah Livers. He's actually a good shooter. Not Cade. Probably didn't get enough shots up. Mm -mm. Hmm. Who else shoots threes on this team? I'm surprised it's taking this long. Can't think of it. He's a point guard. It's not Cade. I just said Ivy and Cade. Nope. There's one more. Who else is there? There's a French guy on the Ooh. team. What? Killian Hayes. Oh. <laughs> Wait, he's French? I think so. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he's French. I don't think Killian Hayes is French. I thought he's French. No? Uh, let's. Oh, French-American basketball guard. Okay. There you go. Very well. <laughs> Killian Hayes. Surprised you didn't get that one. Uh, yeah, I guess so. Uh, yeah, Killian Hayes is brutal. And then you got Houston, young player on Houston who did not shoot well last year from three on catch and shoot. Jalen Green? Nope. Can't be KPJ. He's got to be too old for this. And this could honestly be anybody on their team because all the guys are 23 and under. So. Yeah. Jabari? Yes, Jabari Smith, 29%. I'm sure that's going to go up this year. Um, oh, for sure. Yes. He actually has a real point guard now. And he's got Dylan Brooks to shoot with in practice. Oof. Oh, yeah. Dylan Brooks with his improved arc. <laughs> he's got Noah now, man. He just needs to know where to stand. Indeed. Uh, Toronto. This one you should be able to get pretty easily. Poor catch and shoot in Toronto. Scotty? Correct. 30%. Oof. Oof. And let's see if you get this one. Indiana. 
Like another Indiana player? A guard? Yes. Well... Nemhart? No. Either of the Nemharts? Aren't there two? There's only one. Okay, whatever. Uh, it can't be Matherin. Can't be healed. Is it Matherin? It is Matherin, yes. No way! Yep, Matherin wow. also at 30% on 172 attempts. He was actually Which... really good going to the basket last year, but in terms of three-point percentage uh, on catch and shoot, not as much. I was going to say, he came into the league supposed to, like supposedly a shooter too, but the guy just kept attacking the rim last year. Another guy, he's got a very nice looking jump shot, but doesn't go in as much. Guess so. And we'll save Stats Corner for another day once uh, the banger comes back. So that's it for me. Oh, man. Good stuff. Yo, I rocked this week with some help. But, you know, at least the first one I got pretty good. Yeah, besides not getting Killian Hayes somehow. Yeah, whatever, man. <laughs> I don't I don't like to think about scrubs. I'm going to call it here for now. I want to thank everyone for listening. Please remember to rate and subscribe iTunes, Spotify, hit us up with those five-star reviews, good comments only. We're on all the socials. I'm talking TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, X, if that's what we're still calling it now, I think that's how this is going. All at Hoops Corner Pod. And until next time, peace.